Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I'm going to be addressing a subscriber um, question. Actually, it's a Facebook group question, I think. Really, it all blends together. (laughs) About uh, what if your partner wants to do some really weird shit in bed that is really out there? And uh, what should you do? And so I'm going to address this um, very important question to a lot of people because, I mean, honestly, like your partner may be the one who thinks that weird shit is oral. So, I mean, this could really mean anything. It's quite subjective. So for the people um, that want to do the weird shit, whatever it is, this is a very pressing question. And for the people that want to get out of doing the weird shit, it's a similarly pressing question. (laughs) And I will address uh, this in all of its glory and detail in a bit right after I tell you to subscribe because there are numerous episodes that you are unaware of probably including uh, six things that women want in bed stuff about uh, men not being attractive or to their wives potentially things about needs boundaries communication why you have to suck shit up and be nice to your partner all sorts of things that really could help you win an argument when after you have an argument with your spouse you say you email them one of my podcasts and you say see this doctor thinks exactly what I just told you last night no don't actually do that that will not help give you a happy marriage but you can listen and feel validated and and really just swim in that validation bath of hearing my voice say things that you have already tried to say to your spouse Um, Also join my Facebook group if you're somebody that likes to talk about sex and relationships, which you have to be. Otherwise, you're a real masochist listening to this thing for close to 200 episodes. I'm going to be at 200 episodes soon, which is pretty cool because I only started in January. So anyway, now we are focusing on the topic at hand, which is what do you do if your partner really wants to do some weird shit in bed that you don't want to do um, that is too out there for you? Well, I mean, like... First of all, like, let's just be real for a sec. Like, just get over yourself. Who cares? You know, like, this is your partner. You love them. Unless they are doing something completely uh, immoral, like, you know, asking you to potentially, maybe against your morals, to go outside the marriage. Let's say they want to see you with another man. I could see that one being, you know, something you don't really want to do. You took a vow, you know, in your marriage. But, like, what if they want you to dress up in, like, a furry suit or they want to do some other position? Or, like, who gives a shit, right? I mean, like, at a very basic level, don't you want to be a generous and loving person that is open-minded? I mean, the open-mindedness here is really key. And by the way, if you are somebody who has been uh, asked to go outside your marriage and sleep with somebody else, there's still ways to talk about that as a fantasy without actually doing it. You know, I mean, when, when we're talking about what people's hard stops are, they ought to be things like, this is very painful or this goes against my moral code. People's hard stops should not be, that's kind of gross, like okay like isn't aren't a lot of things kind of gross I mean isn't changing a diaper kind of gross isn't cleaning anything kind of gross isn't the aging human form kind of gross you know I think like everything's kind of gross if you look at it like through a negative lens or it could be fun it could expand your horizons it could push your boundaries it's to an extent a lot of times people just have to take a wider perspective I mean so if you're partner wants to do some weird position or if they want you to dress up like a nurse and they're a doctor or whatever the hell who cares why don't you be a sport (laughs) you know and 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 try because 
As I've said so many times by now, Dan Savage says that the definition of a good sexual partner is somebody who is good, giving, and game. And good, you know, you could research how to be better, giving, and game, though, you, you, that is an internal sort of thing. So while, you know, I got a lot of sympathy for people who don't have any idea how to technically do something, although in the age of the internet, you could certainly look up how to go down on a woman, or you could listen to my podcast, which is subscriber only, um, or how to go down on a man, you could listen to my podcast, still my most a popular episode on blowjobs or whatever the hell else you you could learn this stuff but it's like all right it may be hard to learn a technical thing but what about being giving and gain that's free that doesn't take any knowledge it just takes a commitment to open-mindedness and to generosity which is exactly the same sort of thing that you want your partner to do for you so my overall encouragement is to try if your partner wants to do some really weird shit why don't you try? Why is it going to kill you? It isn't. And it'll probably make your partner very happy. The, the, there's research that shows that people who have fetishes actually enjoy sex more than other people. I uh, the, the sex meaning when the fetish is done, that sort of fetish. So try. Like you could be giving your partner the most transformative experience ever. Now, of course, you could go down any sort of logical rabbit hole. People love to argue. So you could say, all right, fine. So what if my partner has this real out there thing? Let's say um, they want me to dress up like a furry rabbit. And then I dress up as a furry rabbit and it isn't enough. And then I have to be a furry rabbit every day. And I have to, you know, get all into the furry rabbit community. All right, you know, like you can make, like anything can be argued to the point of ridiculousness. No, a person should not have to make their entire life around a fetish that they don't like. But this is a far cry from trying. You know, you could try it. They have men in my office. They recount certain glorious sexual experiences and they don't need to do it all the time. But remembering one time that they had a threesome in college or one time that they hooked up randomly with a girl in a bathroom at a party, this is enough to coast on. These are the hallowed and sacred sexual memories. So if, if you want to be generous and giving, do the weird thing that your partner wants you to do. Try it. And if they turn into like obsessional with it, that would mean they are not being good giving and game. Because remember, you don't like being a furry rabbit. And if everybody listening to this likes being a furry rabbit and votes for me to change this, I will re-record this podcast. But I thought that perhaps that would be one that would not appeal to the majority. So... If, in fact, your partner wants you to do some weird shit and you try it and then they get obsessed with it and then you have to do it all the time, you don't have to do it all the time. You should do it sometimes to be a sport, but you don't have to do it all the time because it doesn't turn you on. And you know what? It's, you know, they also ought to be being good giving and game and doing whatever it is turns you on. Now, what if you are uh, the person who wants your partner to do this stuff and they won't do it? Well, then as per usual, as I've said repeatedly, I cannot make anyone do anything. I am a psychologist. I'm not a magician. But I tell you, look in at yourself. Are you being good giving and game outside of the bedroom? If you want your partner to do what they consider some wacky shit, even if that's only leaving the lights on and you're completely resentful that they think it's wacky because you think it's totally normal, be that as it may, life is subjective. Are you being the sort of person outside of bed that's going to lead to your partner being open-minded in bed? 
Probably not, you know, because this I have rarely, so very rarely seen open-minded people partnered with non-open-minded people. So that's so important and could be such an epiphany. So I will say it again. The open-minded, they usually find each other. There's so many people who are like, I'm open-minded, my spouse is closed-minded. No, like goes to like. So usually, if, if you know what that means usually, is they're open-minded about like, it'll be a guy, he'll be like, oh, I'm open-minded. I'll invest in all sorts of things, crypto, stocks. I'll, I'll invest in, in art galleries. I'll, I'll, I'll just use my, I'm so open-minded in like this one area of something that he likes to do. And then it's like, oh, what are your hobbies? Oh, those are my hobbies. I also like sports. My wife would really like me to read fiction with her, but I don't like fiction. Well, would you would you look at that? You scratch the surface and you see close-minded. Maybe if he was willing to read fiction and talk about it like book club, she would be willing to dress up as a furry rabbit or whatever it is that floats his boat. Usually closed-minded people are paired with one another, although sometimes one of them is masquerading, or both of them sometimes, you know, delusion could be both or one, they're masquerading as open-minded. So there's women who are like, I'm so open-minded, politically I'm open-minded, philosophically I'm open-minded, I listen to anybody's point of view. I'm an empath, right? You're an empath until your husband wants to get laid. Then where's the empath? The empath left the building. So if you consider yourself to be very open-minded, but you have all these hard stops and quote-unquote boundaries, this is something that I just uh, recorded about, a podcast about, that you may have heard, the cult of the preference slash boundary, that's very, very relevant here. Like if you have a boundary against being a furry rabbit, So why? Why do you have this boundary? Likely, it is because you yourself can be closed-minded, which should be interrogated, but also you're resentful because you asked your partner to be open-minded about other things, and he didn't. So then you're like, fuck you and your furry rabbit fetish. I don't care because you won't, for example, paint the kitchen pink because you think that would look, quote, stupid. And I think it would look great. And I saw it in a magazine and I really like it. And if you were the kind of guy that was open-minded about painting the kitchen pink or purple or green or whatever, then maybe I would be a furry rabbit. But people don't make this sort of thing explicit. They don't make this tit-for-tat explicit because, (laughs) this would be a positive tit-for-tat, by the way, there's all sorts of negative marital scorekeeping. But if a woman was like, you know what, if you were more open-minded about home decor, I think that I could be a furry rabbit. Then you know why they don't say that? Because they don't want to be a furry rabbit. So they don't want the guy to call their bluff and say, yeah, let's go to Sherwin-Williams and then we'll circle back around to the furry rabbit costume store. They don't want that to happen. So therefore, they don't actually make it explicit. But in session, in couples counseling, sometimes we make it explicit. All right, so then you really want to do this special thing. What is it worth to you? What are you giving? Are you giving something outside your comfort zone? And this isn't to do scorekeeping. It's like kind of to show that you are not being open-minded either. So what right do you have really? Is this, like I said in my podcast, is this the marriage that you deserve? Do you deserve the marriage that you say you do? Or do you deserve the marriage that you're in? Because the majority of people deserve exactly what they're getting at home. Because they are difficult in exactly interlocking ways with the other partner's difficulty. So there are many people who are extremely open-minded. And what they mean is I'm open-minded in this one thing that I like. 
So a guy saying that he's open-minded in bed, a high libido man being open-minded in bed, oh, let me clap for you. Why am I not clapping? Because it's so easy for you. You would screw anything, anytime, in any which way. You love it. It's great. It's all exciting. It's, it's super fun to think about different positions, different this, different that, different whatever. And then your wife will say, hey, did you read this article that came out in the Atlantic? And you're like, I'm not reading that shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, like, where do you get off? You don't probably get off alone because if you are difficult in this way, you're not getting off with her. So if you are the sort of person who exhorts your partner to be super open-minded about whatever crazy shit, but then you are not deeply doing a deep dive interrogation of yourself and your personal blind spots and hard stops, then do you deserve the furry rabbit? No, you don't. The furry rabbit will only come to those who are open-minded. And that is your, um, that should be in a fortune cookie. So if this resonates with you, I'm going to stop saying share it with your partner because some of y'all are taking me too seriously and you're like sending all the podcasts to your partner. Wrong. Like what I meant was if something, you know, is something that within the context of a relationship that where people have said, oh, we ought to communicate more on certain things and here's something interesting that we can discuss. Cool. But if you are the kind of person who, since the advent of the internet, has been sending your spouse all of these recommendations and stuff for them to read and look at and watch and this and that, and now my podcast is the latest on the heap, they don't want it. So I'm not going to say that anymore. You got to make an individual decision whether to share this with your partner based on whether your partner has literally said to you, I don't want any more of that shit. Now, if they say that, then stop sending stuff to them. That is when, but that is when if you really feel like you are going out of your mind because you can't communicate, the person won't listen to the podcast, blah, 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 then book a couples counseling session. Because in a couples counseling session, A, you have shown that you mean business, you're really actually unhappy with something and you want to work on it, and B, the other person has a chance to talk and to be heard also. It's not just unidirectionally that the one who has the, the skill at metabolizing information more quickly sends the other one infinity links and blogs and articles and whatever. It, this is not a very good balance and it usually makes the person feel attacked and overwhelmed. But, but couples counseling, while nobody's idea for a favorite activity, is something that is more even-handed. So if you really need to uh, talk to your spouse so badly and they keep ignoring the podcast and all this stuff, book a couples counseling session. Tell them about it. I really feel like we don't talk anymore. I've been doing the wrong thing, bombarding you with various links, but... You know, it remains that we don't talk. Apparently, I'm not doing a good job at, at telling you we have to talk. So, about whatever issues. So, therefore, I'd like to go to couples counseling. You know, couples counseling, as I've said numerous times, I'm very on trend. No longer is this just for people who are about to break up. With every passing year more, and especially since COVID and pandemic and teletherapy becoming ubiquitous, more and more people who are not, thankfully, on the precipice of divorce are reaching out for help. So this is wonderful and hopefully can change the uh, reputation of couples counseling from basically the mortuary of your relationship to someplace where people really do learn how to enhance and enrich their relationships because they're coming in before it's the death knell of the relationship. So that was um, just your PSA about couples counseling and how important it is.
And if you, if, if you are the wacky sex seeker, then you got to do an internal, real deep self-scan about whether you are being as open-minded as you wish that your partner was. And if you're the one who's constantly being begged to dress up like a rabbit, dress up like a fucking rabbit, who cares? Who cares? Let's just think about the ways that it could transform your relationship if you just get out of your comfort zone for two seconds. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's what you are probably as a parent. I mean, Man, like in being a parent, you got to do all this crazy shit. You got to go to theme parks. You got to cook three meals a day. You got to listen when they talk. Who? It's easier to dress up like a rabbit or whatever the case may be. All right. I will talk to everybody soon. Hope you got something out of this podcast. And if you did or if you didn't, please do subscribe.